I think that's another area you can pray for me. I'm starting to get a prayer list together for you guys. Pastor, how can we pray for you? Well, pray number one, that my chipping and my putting gets better. Because I don't want to be a loser on the golf course. But maybe I should play more often. If you only play once every two years, I mean, you can't expect your golf game to be any good, right? So that's the third thing you can pray for, that I'll play more golf. How about that? Really? You need that? Yeah, I really do. You go walk on the golf. No, you actually ride a cart, which is fun. Have you ever ramped a bunker on, in the golf cart? Have you ever gone over a bunker? You should try it. It's scary. It was an accident. It wasn't on purpose. But. And then the other area you can pray for, it's, uh, what was it? Singing. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. That my singing voice gets better. That I don't hurt people's ears when I sing. Maybe I shouldn't sing in the microphone. Everybody happy? Looks like we're still in COVID. Everybody's spread out six feet apart. But other than that, we're... Look at somebody and say, it's over. It blows my mind how the Ukraine war just killed COVID. Just amazing how it happened. COVID died when the war started. Just amazing. I mean, that virus no longer gets you. They don't talk about it no more. It's not killing anyone anymore. It's just amazing to me. Wow. Just, I'm so, I'm so blown away. COVID was here for two years and then it left. It's never coming back. Look at the person next to you and tell them you're above sickness and you're above disease. It's not your portion. It doesn't belong to you. According to the Bible, I don't have to fear pestilence, the plague. If you abide under the shadow of the Almighty, you'll find refuge under His wings. Bars. It is a song. Song, song 91. That's what we'll call it, Song 91. Let's sing it. Let's go there. No, you sing that, babe. I ain't singing. I'm just going to say it. Those that live in the shelter of the Most High will find refuge in the shadow of the Almighty. And this I will declare of the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust Him. Listen, when you, when you have freedom... You have freedom because your trust is in Jesus, not in natural things to keep you alive. Listen, the devil tried to kill me. You know, Mike, now that you shared what you shared today, I realize we have a connection that goes really deep. I used to do drugs. He used to sell drugs. We were brothers. And this can neither be confirmed or denied. This is just hypothesis right now. We are the redeemed of the Lord. 
This is proof that the Lord can take foolish things and turn them around. We are trophies in the hand of the Lord. So when you put your trust in the Lord, you know, He alone is your refuge. He's your place of safety. He is your God, and you're going to trust Him. You know, we're talking about life and life more abundantly. This is with the series, Eternal Life, that we're, we're talking about this summer. You know, uh, the, the Bible says in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. And your life is how you think makes up your life in this moment. Because your thoughts are your reality. So if I think I'm poor, guess what? It doesn't matter what your bank account says. It doesn't matter what the Bible says. It doesn't matter what's available to you in Christ Jesus. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So your state of life shifts every time your focus shifts. And if you want a stable life, you have to fix your thoughts on something that is unshakable and unmovable. And when you begin to fix your heart and your thoughts on the things above, the realities of heaven and the promises and your inheritance in Christ Jesus, you will walk solid through life. But it's when you start wavering between what you see with your eyes and what the Word of God says, then you will become unstable. You know, Misty prophesied my whole message today, really. Get out of the fuzziness of two radio stations. Get clear on either side. Either stand for the Lord or just go stand in yourself. Pick a side. And when you just choose to put all your trust in God and you fully surrender, you will get strong. And you will win and you will overcome because you're in victory. It's all about your thinking. Where is your mind? And you have to take control over your thoughts. You have to take control over what you allow into the ear gate and into the eye gates. Because these are gates into the temple. And what you take in through the gates into the temple is going to get inscribed on the tablet of the heart. So what is on the walls of your heart? When you close your eyes, you can see what is written on the walls of your heart. Are they the promises of God? Maybe one wall has some promises. Well, then you walk into another area of the memory, and you, you see things in your past. Well, we need to clear that wall. We need to put some, um, uh, what's that stuff? Not wallpaper. We don't want to cover it. You know, we just want to erase it. Some primer. You need some primer on that thing so it doesn't bleed through. You know what I'm saying? And then you need to put another coat of paint over that, all right? And then put something brand new on the walls. If you have to rip the drywall out, there's mold in the drywall. Just rip the whole drywall out and put some brand new drywall up. So in your heart, you have to, when you close your eyes, the things that are images and pictures that remind you of the person you don't want to be, you got to go erase those things. And I was talking about this last week. Sometimes we go through things and we do things that stain us so bad 
that even though we're not living that lifestyle anymore, even though we're not in that environment anymore, there's still a mark on the inside of us from that traumatic season or experience or the vile thing that happened to us. And I want you to know the blood of Jesus can wash and cleanse your garments where there is no stain. Amen. And that's what the Lord's doing. He's cleaning us up on the inside. The Bible says in verse 3, For He will rescue you from every trap, every trap, and protect you from deadly disease. His feathers will cover, He will cover you with His feathers. He will shelter you with His wings. His faithful promises, uh, His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. The enemy shooting darts at you. I got a promise. Blunk. It can't penetrate because the promise resists what the enemy's trying to throw at you. Do not be afraid of the terrors of night or the arrow that flies by day, nor dread the disease that stalks in darkness nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. So, but it's about abiding, guys. You have to take residence here. You have to put your trust in the Lord. This doesn't just happen to everyone because you go to church. This happens because you position yourself somewhere. In your heart, in Christ Jesus. And you don't shift out of that place. And the minute you step out of that place, well, then you're on your own. The enemy's going to take shots at you. And he's going to get you. But if you just stay in that place of refuge, that place of safety. And listen, if you do die, by mistake, something happened. You're going to heaven. You're going to glory, people. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You don't have to die to experience heaven, though. You don't have to die in the natural. You just have to die to yourself. <laughs> if you'll just die to you and you'll step into Christ, you'll begin to experience heaven on earth. My wants, my ways, my opinions, my feelings, my logic, my reason. You have to lay all of that down. That's what surrender is about. And the minute you surrender your life, you completely surrender it, you break through. It's the difference between knowing Jesus as your Savior and then bowing your knee to serve Him as Lord. It's one thing to come up to the front and say, I believe Jesus died for me. And I believe, you know, that I'm going to go to heaven, that I'm forgiven. Great. Ticket to heaven. Wonderful. But then you go living your old way. You just keep living the life you used to live. Or are you going to surrender to follow Jesus? That's where the rubber meets the road. That's the difference between somebody who just needs Jesus to make sure they get to heaven. Versus somebody that wants to experience the life that He has for you here on earth. And there's more available. 
I wish I understood when I got saved what was available to me. I didn't realize what I have now was all available to me when I got saved when I was 16 years old. I had no clue what was available to me in Christ Jesus. It was, a, it was just discovery as I began to search and seek. And this life in God is about you discovering all the good things God has for you. But they don't just happen automatically. You have to search for them. You have to seek them. You have to desire them. You say, well, how do I know what's available? You just go to your Bible and you'll discover what's available. And then you go after the treasure. Right, Captain Jack? We're going to go after the treasure. The fact that we have Captain Jack in the building, man, this church is now complete. I don't like sailing. I don't like boats. Sorry, brother. I get sick when I go. When I feed the fish when I go boating. It's, it's, it's a horrible feeling. Rah, yeah, I know. I wish that I could just go out there and do this thing and just be fine, but I can't. I'm not built that way. But jet skis, no, brother, I cannot do all things. I prayed. I, I prayed. I took pills. The drugs did not help me. Captain Jack, let me tell you a story. I know we're deviating, but it's fine. So when I was, when I was living in South Africa, I was in my early 20s. I was in the, I was in the food entertainment industry. And um, this uh, Russian-Australian cruise ship came into the ports of South Africa. And they were going to start doing tours. And so they were looking for um, people to serve, you know, on the ships. And so it was a three-day, it was a three-day trial run where you could sign up and then you could go and 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 work on the ships. Well, when I signed up and I went to work on the ships in in Cape Town, we had a cold front come through, a storm come through, and the waters where the two oceans meet is pretty hectic down there, right? And so we had waves breaking on top of this cruise ship. That's how bad the waters were. And they went, we had to go back into port the night, and then they went back out the next day because they had to do the trip. There was no water in the pool. All the guests were in their cabins. Everybody was seasick. And when you were walking around, it was crazy. It was wild. So I was walking through the hallway one day, and this Russian nurse walked up to me. She was solid too, man. She could wrestle any, anyone. She was like W Worldwide Message Tribe kind of person. What is it? W-W-E. Yeah. She was pretty tough. I wouldn't want to tango with this Russian nurse, right? So she didn't speak a word of English. She's speaking Russian to me, but she could tell that I wasn't feeling well because I was pale and I wasn't doing good. So, embarrassing moment, but it happened. I have a little needle phobia. I'm not a needle guy. So this Russian nurse said to me, yeah, she took me, turned me around, slammed me on the wall. 
pulled my pants down, took a syringe with a needle and jabbed me in the butt, gave me a shot, pulled my pants up, spanked my butt, and went off to do her business. This woman violated me. She injected stuff into my body. What did you put in me? Who are you? If that happened in America, it'd be a lawsuit. But when you're on the Russian-Australian cruise ship in international waters, you've got no rights. So I think that's part of the reason why I don't like boats. Maybe I need healing in that area. Maybe the Lord can deliver me. Needles and seasickness, I think that has something to do with everything. We're getting to the roots of my problems, guys. I just want to say thank you for your counsel, for you letting me just talk stuff out and find my problems. I really, really appreciate it. You guys are really helping me. Be, we get better. All right. That's right. Pull it out. All right. Let's get back to the Bible. How about that? So uh, COVID's over. Finish. And you don't have to fear pestilence. You don't have to fear plagues. You don't have to feel, fear any of it. Just abide in the Lord and He will cover you. He will protect you. Amen? He'll bring you through. You know, I, I said this this morning in our class. I said, uh, <laughs> church is the place where you're supposed to come get healing. Not stay at home when you're not feeling good. Let me go to this side of the building. Church is the place you're supposed to come get healed when you're not feeling good. Not call in saying, I ain't coming to church today. But if you don't believe there's power at the altar for you to be healed, you wouldn't come either. So what do you believe? And you're going to live what you believe. No. I'm getting up, devil. You are not stopping me from going to the house of God. The Bible says... Call on the elders of the church. They will lay hands, pray in the name of Jesus, anointing you with oil, and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. That's where I stand. I'm going to church to get my healing. And that's how you break through, guys. You do what the Bible tells you to do. You don't do what your feelings tell you to do. You don't do what people tell you to do. And you'll never go wrong if you will base your life on the Word of God. Can I get an amen? amen? All right. That's that section over. Moving right along. Look at somebody and say eternal life. Life more abundantly. Let me read some scriptures here. John chapter 6 verse 63. Jesus said the very words I speak are spirit and life. Look at the person next to you and tell him the very words that Jesus speaks is spirit and life. If you want to get the life of God, you need to get the Word of God. Where does the Word of God go? It goes into your spirit. Where does food go? Into your stomach. Where does the Word go? Into your spirit. Just like food gives your physical body strength, the Word of God will give your spirit man strength. If you only read, hear the Word of God when you come to church, you are starving yourself six days a week. How are you going to be strong in the spirit 
if you don't ever eat the food that's going to sustain you and give you strength. You wouldn't survive. If you didn't eat six days a week and then ate one day a week, you wouldn't survive. You wouldn't be strong. The smallest little circumstance, you'd be over. You get the sniffles, you're down. Amen? And so if you want to be strong in the spirit, you've got to feed your spirit. And Jesus said, what's going to strengthen your spirit, what's going to feed you, what's going to give you life is my word. 1 Corinthians 15.45 says, The scriptures tell us the first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. Look at the person next to you and tell him, Jesus Christ is a life-giving spirit. If you want to experience eternal life, the place we're going to get this life is from Jesus. And the very words he speaks are spirit and life. John 17.3 says, and this is eternal life. Who wants to know what eternal life is? Eternal life is that you would know the one and true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. If you want to have eternal life, eternal life is knowing God, walking with God, speaking to God, Him speaking words to you. And as He speaks these words to you, it'll, it'll go into your spirit and it'll give you life. He's going to lead you and guide you through His word. Eternal life is knowing God. Look at the person next to you and tell him eternal life is knowing God. It's life eternal. It's an everlasting life. It is a life that will never end. Amen? So those are three scriptures that I wanted to lay down and give you. I've been wanting to do that for a few weeks, but they've just been sitting there. You know, through this whole series, it all started because I began to go on a, on a search from scriptures to find out um, what the Lord wanted me to do for men's ministry. And as I began to look at how God was a father to Adam and God was a father to Jesus, I read in the book of Genesis where God breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils when he had formed him out of the dust of the ground. And in that moment, I realized that the breath of life has the power to turn dust into living tissue. And that just, that just hit me so hard. And I realized that there is this life that is available to us in Christ Jesus. And as I started reading scriptures throughout the Bible, I started finding scriptures everywhere that have life on them. And you know, I love it when the Lord takes you on a journey and He begins to show you things in the Word that you never focused on before. And so I've been on this journey, and as I've been learning different things, I have been sharing these things with you, right? And so today I want to talk a little bit about the river of life. Everybody say the river of life. So go open your Bibles to the book of Revelation 22. Revelation chapter 22. This is John having an encounter. He was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and the Lord caught him up into heaven. 
And he gave him this whole revelation and he wrote it out. And so then it says in chapter 22, verse 1, And the angel showed me a river with the water of life. Everybody say the water of life. Clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. And on each side of the river grew a tree of life. Everybody say a tree of life. Bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. So right here in heaven, in the center of heaven, there is the throne of God. And from the throne of God flows a river. This river has the water of life. Everybody say the water of life. This is the river of living water. And what is really interesting is that this river flows from the throne. The throne represents a place of authority. The, the throne represents a place where decisions are made. The throne is the place where you rule and reign from. So based on how you're ruling and reigning is going to determine what flows from your life. Look at the person next to you and tell them you are a spirit. And your spirit man is seated on the throne of your heart. The place where you make decisions. Summer 2020, I had an encounter with the Lord. We did a love series over that summer. And I began to ask the Lord. I said, Lord. What is, what is loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? How do I love you with all my heart? And as I began to pray and ask the Lord to reveal to me what the heart of man was, if I'm going to love you with all my heart, what is my heart? And I had, I had a vision, and in the vision, the Lord showed me a throne. And um, the Lord spoke to me, and He said, the the th the heart of man, the spirit of man sits on the throne of your heart and the place where you make decisions from. And the enemy wants to take the throne captive. He wants to take that place of authority so that you yield to his desires and you use your temple, your, your, your body, your hands, your feet, your mouth. You use all these different elements that the Lord has given you for the enemy's purposes instead of yielding to God's plans and purposes. So when you yield to the flesh and when you yield to the enemy, it's going to bring destruction in your life. When you yield to the Word of God, it's going to cause the life of God to begin to flow through your life. I mean, today's message is really focusing on, are you rooted and grounded in the Word of God? Do you have the Word of God on the inside of you? Are you meditating on the Word of God? Do you know what the promises of God are? Do you know what your inheritance in Christ is? I cannot... In one service on a Sunday morning, I cannot impart all of this stuff to you. You have to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, go on a journey to meditate on the Word day and night and get Scripture in your heart as a foundation for you to stand on. That's what's going to make you strong. Amen? And so what's going to flow from your heart, your life flows from the decisions that you make. And if your life the decisions you make isn't based on wisdom, then you're just going to make decisions based on feelings or people's opinions. But there is a river. Everybody say there's a river that flows from the throne of God. Let's go to Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 47. 
So here's Ezekiel. He's, this guy's having visions of God too. And that's my prayer. My prayer is that the Lord will start taking you into visions, into dreams, and revealing to you the secret things about the kingdom of God. But in Ezekiel, we read from his encounter in 47 verse 1. He says, In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple where I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on the south side. So just like John, he had a vision where he saw a river of God flowing from the throne of God. Here we have Ezekiel, same thing, is in the temple and he sees this river flowing through the temple. And it says, The man brought me to the outside wall through the north gateway and led me around to the eastern entrance. I mean, it's a, a lot of turns through this temple. There I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet and then led me across. The water was up to my ankles. Then he measured off another 1,750 feet and led me across again. This time the water was up to my knees. After another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. And then he measured another 1,750 feet. And the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. And then once again, on both sides of the river, there were trees growing. So this river of life that flows from the throne of God is going to turn everything that's dead in your life around. Look at the person next to you and tell him, it doesn't matter if your life is dead. The river of God will bring everything back to life again. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to open this gate of the river of life to begin to flood into your life. And this river of God will restore the things that have been destroyed. Let's keep reading. It says, He asked me, Have you been watching, son of man? Then he led me back along the riverbank. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, This river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. So this river is going to flow into the dead things in your life. The waters of the stream will make salty the waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. So once, if you want your life to turn around, if you want to experience this eternal life, this relationship with God, that begins to flow out of you. You say, well, what, give me something practical about what this river looks like, right? We're going to get into the practical things. But I want to show you another scripture here, something that we cannot do. Go to Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2. I don't know why I'm reading all these guys in the Old Testament lately, but there's some good stuff in there. So in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, God speaks to Jeremiah and he says this. He says, my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water. The minute that you do not have God in your life, you are turning your back on this river of living water. It is the fountain of life. This is where life springs from. 
God is life. He's the creator of life. The minute we turn our back on God, the life of God stops flowing in us. And he says right here, my people have done two things. Number one, the first evil thing they did, they turned their back on me, the fountain of living water. And number two, they've dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. What are the cracked cisterns? If you go a little bit further down, he says on every hill and under every green tree, you have prostrated yourselves by bowing down to idols. You have chosen to make other things your God. You have put other things before God. And family, when we put other things before God, we begin to cut the river of life off, and our life starts dying. Amen? And then it goes on the next page where it talks about, in verse 22, no amount of soap can clean you. And I see the stain of your guilt. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. And so the Lord wants to, he wants to clean us from these idols, from these other things that have taken the priority of God in our lives. We have to surrender them. We have to remove them from our lives. And the Bible says in the book of uh, Matthew, seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously and then all things shall be added unto you. And so it's very clear in the Bible that the life of God is not going to flow through you if your heart is not for the Lord and is not in that number one place. Can I get an amen? And so, some of the areas, let me tell you about the areas of your life. Number one, your first thing that's going to happen is your personal life with the Lord. You're going to have a personal relationship with God. And when you have a personal relationship with God and you're walking with God, number one, you're going to know who you are. Your identity in Him is going to be secure as a son or a daughter of the Most High God. You're not going to doubt who you are, right? You're going to, you're going to have um, an identity that is strong. You're not going to doubt yourself. And that's where everything comes from. God gave you image first. Everybody say image. Your image determines your identity. And a lot of people are struggling with their identities. If you don't know who you are and you're struggling with who you are, then inside you're, you're shaky, you're unstable, and you're not going to move forward. You're going to be stuck. That's number one. God's going to establish your identity. You're going to know that you're a child of the Most High God. You know you're secure in Him. You know your Heavenly Father is with you, that He's behind you. Amen? That you're in Christ Jesus. Identity, knowing who you are, having self-confidence, having self-worth. Amen? That's number one. There's going to be peace on the inside of you. You're going to have joy on the inside of you. Right? That's where it starts. It starts with you. If you have peace, if you have joy, if you're strong in your identity, then your relationships are going to be good. If your relationships is good with God, your relationships will begin to get good with the people around you. If your relationship is not good with God, you can't love others because you don't love yourself. You can't love anyone else because you're struggling with you. You're struggling with just loving who you are. You look in the mirror, you hate what you see, and because you're miserable, how are you going to love somebody else? Can't. It's impossible because you don't have the love of God on the inside of you. You don't have that relationship with the Lord on the inside of you. You're carrying your guilt. You're carrying your sin. You're carrying your past. You're in turmoil, chaos on the inside of you. You're struggling between your head and your heart. And that has to be settled. That is the first, that's where the life is going to come into first. It's going to make you secure in Christ. Once you're secure in Christ Jesus, 
Now you can start helping other people around you. If you're, if, if you're planning on getting married or you're married now, you and your spouse, if your spouse is solid and you're solid, then your family's on the right foundation. Everybody with me? If you have the agape love of God in your life, and your wife has the agape love of God in her life, and love never fails, your marriage will never fail. So now you have a solid home. Are you with me? You have a solid household. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't care what God you're going to serve, but we've made the decision. We're serving God. We're putting Him first. Now you start having children. Well, as parents who walk in relationship with God, you're not giving your kids religion. You're giving them relationship with the Lord. Now your kids are growing up having encounters with God, having dreams at a young age, already developing relationship with the Lord. You're teaching them things that are biblical. You're training your kids how to be strong in a world that doesn't know God. And a lot of parents want to just shelter their kids. We, we kept our kids close to us until we were ready to release them into the world. Let me tell you this as parents. What you have to do is, especially Christian people, you have to prepare your kids to be the light in the darkness. Not keep your kids away from the darkness till you die and then they don't know how to survive in darkness. So under your care, you have to give them opportunity to step into the peer pressure. You've got to give them the opportunity to step into these areas where they've got to start figuring life out. And then you move in your relationship with them from commanding them to counseling them. Counseling them now, you start telling them the consequences for decisions and then you navigate their lives by giving them wisdom on how to deal with the situation. If you tell them, no, don't do that. Don't go near him. Don't talk to that boy. What happens? They're going to go see him behind your back. And then they rock up pregnant and you wonder why. I love the Lord. No, because you didn't treat, you didn't let your kid. You weren't there to counsel your kid anymore because you gave him rules and you didn't let them figure stuff out by themselves. Kids have to do it in church too. They cannot live by the relationship that you have with God. You've got to help them discover their relationship with the Lord. Just like your relationship with God cannot be based on me. It has to be on you personally. Look, my assignment, it doesn't matter. Everything that I preach is about you knowing God. The heart and you knowing God. That's my assignment. That's all you're going to get from me. Because that's all you need. You don't need anything else. You don't get into heaven because of what you know. You get into heaven because of who you know. And Jesus said this. He said, depart from me. I didn't know you. <laughs> that's what's, that's what's going to get you secure. That when you close your eyes and breathe out your last breath, you're not afraid to die because you know where you're going. And you know the one because you've walked with him your whole life. If all you get is rules and regulations, you're scared to die because you don't know God. I am a good pastor. Where were we? Um, pum, 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 pum. 
giving your kids. So, so there you are. Now your kids, you're developing them. You're training them. So your family's strong. Your family's in unity. I'm not here to tell my kid, well, you need to become a doctor because there's lots of money in being a doctor. You need to become a lawyer because lawyers are ruthless and, you know, I need you on my team because we've got to fight some battles. No. You've got to let, you have been given a gift that has to reveal God's image to the earth and you have to discover the gift in them to be revealed to this world. Not cover the gift and make them run after money, but reveal the gift so they can walk in the glory of God. I, was, I think I said this on Wednesday night. When you have money at the top of your mind, everything's about the dollar at the end of the day. So when you buy groceries, how much does it cost? When you fill gas in your car, how much does it cost? You're going to go out to dinner, how much does it cost? You're going to go on vacation, how much does it cost? Everything's based on money. I'm working X amount of hours. They're not paying me enough. When money is at the top of your mind, your whole heart is about cost and how much I have and how much I'm going to make. Right? So that's how you evaluate everything in your life. So wait, I'm going to make 50 cents more going to work in that position. So there's no faithfulness in your life because you're not based on covenant. It's based on contract. So I'm going to run there because I can earn a little bit more money. It's what's going to benefit me at the end of the day. That's the top of your mind. So now you get miserable because you're, you're counting the cost of everything. But when God is at the top of your mind, then you trust God to provide all your needs. Now, when you're going to work, it's about serving God. It's not about the paycheck. And your attitude will be totally different. When you have the attitude that I'm here to do everything that I do is as unto the Lord, not for the money, your whole attitude changes in how you live your life, family. That's what Jesus was talking about in the book of Matthew, where he says you either run after money or you run after God. That what is at the top of your mind when you think about your life? Is it get up in the morning to get to work to get the paycheck? Or is it to get up in the morning to live a life of worship as unto God? And that determines your attitude through the day. That determines the atmosphere that you carry. Is it an atmosphere of worship or is it now an atmosphere of i got to fight to get to the top to get more money? The one is serving. The other one is walking on people. People serving me. Two different ways to live. And if your heart is filled with competition and greed, you're not happy. Trust me. That's just a greedy world. And God calls that idolatry. It's idolatry. It says a person that is greedy is an idolater. Let me get that scripture just because I know it's there. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater Worshipping the things of this world. So when your whole life is based on the paycheck and how much money you're making, yes, you're going to earn good money. But your attitude, what is the motive of your heart? Is it about giving your life to God as a life of worship to serve people? 
everything as an act of worship to God while you're doing it? Or is it about money first? And those are the two places that you're going to live in. And when you live in the place of living your life to worship God and serve other people, God adds all things that you need unto you. One day of the Lord's favor is better than a thousand days of labor. God can give you something in one moment that you couldn't spend a year working for. Can I get an amen? So these, this, is, this is how I'm making it very practical how serving God changes you. It changes your marriage. It changes your family. Now, as a family, because your home has been, your, your mission field at home has been taken, as a family, you can step outside of the house now and begin to make an impact in the community. Our family operates this way. The reason we're successful in what we do is because we have unity and we work together because we have the right foundation. My kids would be a train wreck right now if I was the other person, the drug dealer guy. Yeah. Where would my life be? Where would my marriage be? Where would my kids be? I'd probably be dead, quite honestly. Wouldn't be here anymore. Wouldn't have the life I have. And our family would not be reaching thousands of children every single day, laying a foundation of God in them so that they can have what we're talking about. Amen? And so, the Bible says in the book of John, let's go there. And then we'll land the plane. John chapter 7, verse 37. This is Jesus speaking. On the last day at the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. He says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare that rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into His glory. So this river of living water is the presence of God that comes to flood your heart. And this river of living water begins to flow out of you in your love walk, in your faith walk, in your prayer life, in your worship, right? The, the, the presence of God begins to flow out of you. And as the presence of God flows out of you, it makes an impact in the life around you. And as you learn the principles in the Word of God, you'll see the river of abundance unlock on the inside of you. As you learn principles in the Word of God, you discover the gifting of God that begins to flow out of you. As you, as you study the nine gifts of the Spirit, wow, then you see the power of God begin to flow through you to begin to minister to other people. But let me tell you what the key is, family. The key is desire. This all boils down to desire. What do you desire? Your will is tied to your desires too. Because what you desire, your will gets behind to go get the thing that you want. And we've been so used to eating 
the junk that is served in the world, it is actually a challenge to begin to get a, uh, a hunger and a thirst for the things of God. Who knows dieting or changing your lifestyle in your eating is hard because you crave things. You crave stuff. And, and literally what you have to do is you have to change your lifestyle. Otherwise, you can go, you, if you don't change your eating habits and you don't change your lifestyle, you can diet three days out of the year, but it's not going to help you. And it's the same thing with God and this life that he has for you. We have cravings for these things in the world that we need to begin to cut off. And we need to start diving into the promises and the word of God to begin to discover what's available to us in Christ Jesus. And then once this thing begins to unlock in your life, now you start realizing, whoa, this is good. I want more of this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And once you see that it's good, you begin to desire it more. Why? Because it's bringing a benefit to your life, to your family, to your household, to your own heart. Amen. And so these are some practical things of how serving the Lord is going to change you, change your household, and change your family. And then from there, you can make an impact. You know, part of, part of what we do here at the ministry is we don't want you serving until you're restored. I want you to serve, but you can't serve broken and a mess. Because your service isn't about being approved by people. Your service should flow from a heart of worship. And so we take the time to minister to people, to get them strong, to get their lives fixed. And from that place, you step in and you begin to work with us to help other people. Amen? And so there's this river of life. Oh, let me read one more scripture just because I can. Now, this is an important one. Go to the book of Proverbs. I have scriptures that pop up in my head. I have to go find them. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 23. Proverbs 4, 23. So where does this river flow? It flows from the heart. 23 says you need to guard your heart above all else or with all diligence. For it determines the course of your life. And then it tells you practically what you should do. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your, for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. And keep your feet from following evil. So we have to guard our hearts. Amen. We have to protect ourselves from getting distracted from this life that God has for, for us. Stand with me this morning, this afternoon, this evening, wherever we are. So as you live according to wisdom, you're going to see your life begin to flourish. And the Lord is going to turn the dead things around. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I was thinking about this the other day. The, the cross, the reason the cross is so important in our lives, it's, it's, the foundation, it's foundational in the Bible, is because the cross is where you go make decisions. So let's say, let's say um, 
Whatever, the, whatever comes against you, you have to decide, am I going to respond in the flesh or am I going to respond in the spirit? And the cross is at the middle of that, right? So let's say, for example, you know, the situation that happened with, with Ryzen. She cut her foot open, right? Because a boy pushed her. Well, I was there. As a dad, I could have picked the guy up by his throat and slammed him into the thing that cut my daughter's leg open. Well, that would be jail time. I would never see my daughter again except through a, a monitor. So that would be an example of a dad getting into his flesh and making a decision that would bring destruction. Okay, so that's, that's not the right way to go. We can obviously tell that's not going to bring life and life more abundantly. That's going to bring uh, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. My life is destroyed. That kid's life is destroyed. And my child's life is destroyed because of a cut on her foot. No, we blow things up. We do crazy stuff. Uh, she's mad at me. I'll drive like a madman down the road, put my foot on the gas, ride over the curb, knock somebody's trash can out, cuss the guy next to me, go through the red light, head to the bar. I'm going to drink shots. Then I'm going to sleep with a prostitute to get back at her. Now I've got AIDS and I die. No, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> it escalated. True story. That happened to my best friend in Africa. True story. That's no joke. That really happened. My best friend in school died because his girlfriend ticked him off. And then he went and got drunk, slept with a prostitute, got AIDS and died. Yeah, that escalated real quick, but that's real. And when you are not thinking straight, the exception comes and you get into your flesh, you do stupid things that bring destruction to your life. Are you with me? And so the cross is at the middle. And you know what's powerful about the cross? The power in the cross is that Jesus took a nail in his feet to stop us from going down the road to destruction. Jesus took nails in his hand to stop us from using our hands to do things that should not be done. It put a stop to it. It crucified us. Jesus took a crown of thorns in his head to deal with the piercing thoughts, to stop the piercing thoughts from having control over us, to go do things with our hands and our feet that should not be done. Jesus didn't say one word while he was going through this thing, except, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus even gave us the example of not using our mouths to curse things, but only be a blessing and pray in it. This is the power at the cross. There's power at the cross when you are faced with decisions where you're going to go in the flesh and bring destruction, or whether you're going to stand and submit the flesh to the Spirit and you're going to obey God. That's why the cross is there. And Jesus paid the price to give you a way of escape so that you stay in life and not step into death. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19 says, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, and I beg you to choose life. Why? So that you and your descendants may live. 
And family, it boils down to the decisions that you make in the throne room, the heart. What are the decisions you're making? Because once a decision is made, there's a witness in heaven as to the things that you've decided. And now when you step out and do those things, you're either going to reap life or death. It's not God, it's you. Amen? And we want you to walk in life and we want you to walk in the blessing.